This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome to, oh my gosh, 64? Is it 64? Two. Oh my God. 62. You literally just told me that like uh, probably 15 seconds ago. Hello, You everyone. must be tired. You oh, must be tired. Well, no, that's the sad thing is that this is what my wife deals with all the time. All the time. Very short term memory. I think I might need some medication. yes episode 62 welcome everyone to episode 62 let me give you just a quick example of what i'm talking about michael the other day we were coming back from something and my wife was like hey don't forget we need to stop at meyer for this one thing meyer is a grocery store here by the way Mm -hmm. and so we're on our way home and like we're we're heading home and there's a couple different turns you have to make to get to meyer instead of going home and so we're we're going and like i'm gonna come, totally miss the turn and she's like meyer we're going to meyer i'm like oh that's right that's right, that's right. so i like, <laughs> turn and then like i'm about to miss another turn and she's like we're going to meyer i'm like okay that's right that's right literally like she she ended up having to say something three times on the way home like wow. i i'm not kidding like i think my brain just goes so many places at once sometimes things just kind of just fly right through yeah, I usually need the first reminder. I'll forget the first time, but not not three times in the same trip. That was, not once that was I'm probably, in the car. That was probably exceptional. That was that was the worst one I could think of. But that was uh, that was pretty bad. It was a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> uh, I don't dear, know if anybody dear. else struggles with these things. Oh man. Well, to be fair, like I did, I was supposed to go to uh, the hardware store on the way home from work the other day to get some potting mix. We got a a ficus plant to put in this big, big pot that we got given for, I think, Christmas last year. That's nice. Like had nothing in it. So we bought the plant and then we had to pot it. And uh, I was driving home and my wife called me and she's like, I was sitting at the lights at the last possible place that I could have turned off without having to like hang a yui and, and go back and i'm like oh and i like at the lights just as the lights went green i've just like put the indicator on and just flown off in the opposite direction that's... and i'm like i'm just on my way to bunnings now <laughs> yeah that's that's uh i think so i'm thankful really thankful for technology that allows me to quickly enter reminders and alarms and those sorts of things because i've yeah. recognized this about myself and I think like somebody, I remember one time, like I for, totally forgot something and it was like a big deal. And I totally blew it with something Laura had asked me to do. And my buddy was like, dude, reminders on your phone. Like, why are you not using them? I'm like, yeah. yes, that is absolutely correct. That's what I should be doing. So now anytime that I'm asked to remember to do something, first thing, set a reminder on my phone, set an alarm mm-hmm. on my phone or put it in the calendar. Those are like, I have to do that. I cannot trust yeah. myself to remember it. And so I have to assist myself with some sort of prompt or technology to do that for mm-hmm. me. Anyway. I mean, sometimes between thinking I need to set the reminder and setting, like opening the app to make the reminder, I will forget what I was yeah. putting a okay. reminder in thank for. God. So. Okay, thank God. I'm not the only one. I, I was, yes, that, that me too. Me too. All right. Well, it only gets worse once you start having children. So, Michael, prepare for the great. Uh, great. Prepare, prepare for uh, forget Mageddon. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thanks for tuning in this week uh, and listening to our memory issue woes. Uh, we're going to jump right in here and we've got some great stuff to cover this week. So we've got a couple updates to Laravel. We've got 5617, 5618, 5619, and we're actually a little bit behind. So mm. we're just going to kind of get good to go through here. Uh, it seems like uh, a theme that we've got going on here as well, though, is making your website faster. We've got two things on caching. Uh, we've got speed up Laravel on top of Swool. So yeah, looks like some interesting stuff going on here as far as like optimization and uh, excited to talk about some of this stuff. So let's do yeah. it. Let's, do, let's it. do it. All right. First thing up, Laravel page cache for lightning fast page loads. Have you gotten a chance to read this? This didn't. This came out like April 17th, so it's a little bit old, but it's still yeah. very cool. I, I had a bit of a read of it. I think uh, Joseph Silber, who's responsible for this package, PR'd the functionality, I think at some stage into the Laravel website or the docs website jeffrey way over on laracast did a video on rebuilding the docs website as well so check that out if you're a if you're a subscriber and you want to dig in more but this is a really cool way to leverage the power of having a dynamic website built on the laravel framework but also get the benefits and the speed improvements of caching into static files so if you've got pages that don't change much if you've got a blog and things like that Page caching is a good way to to essentially serve static files to your visitors basically instantly and couple that with something like Cloudflare or some other external caching platform. You can really assist your visitors making sure that, you know, they're not hanging around for pages to load and things like that. Yeah, and the crazy thing is he says like this, essentially it's full page caching. So it doesn't even require you to boot up your PHP application, right? Avoid the need to hit your PHP application so you can serve yeah, the fastest right. response possible. So that's awesome. It's literally static content. It's not like, oh, we're cached to this. And so like, we're going to boot up Laravel and then we're going to turn, oh yeah, this is cached. Here it is. This is, you don't yep. even have to boot the framework, which is pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah, so this is handled at the web server level. So if you're using Nginx or if you're using Apache, there is a directive that you need to add into the respective configuration files, which will check to see if the cached version of the route exists. So it'll go through your regular process. It will say, you know, does this file exist in the page cache? And if so, serve it from the cache rather than building the, the cache file, which would happen uh, via the middleware, I think. So, yeah, it's a really simple approach you know you pull in the the package you add the middleware whether you want to add it to all of your routes you can add it to the web middleware group or you can add it on a on a route by route basis and then yeah just make the the change to your web server configuration and off you go yeah really awesome thank you very much joseph really appreciate that if you haven't tried uh his other really popular package which is called bouncer i would suggest you check that out as well so you have with laravel you have uh, authentication, which is the ability to authenticate a user into your application. But then in addition to that, you also have authorization, which is where you check the existing user to see if they have permission to perform a certain action or task. Now, there's a couple different ways to handle these in Laravel, which is the idea of gates and policies. Gates are like specific tasks or permissions that you can that you can give. Policies are typically applying to a model. What Bouncer does is Bouncer allows you to define different abilities 
and as well to define different roles, which is a collection of abilities, and then apply those to users really easily uh, using like a pivot table, right? So you can in Bouncer, you can say, hey, apply this role to this user and it behind the scenes will look at that user, it will grab all the abilities associated with that role and it will link them up in that table. And then you can just do really simple checks in your Laravel application to see if this particular user has or has access to do this this thing, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. So um, it's just some syntactic sugar on top of Laravel's already existing uh, authorization uh, stuff. But it's called Bouncer. It's really cool. And uh, I know he's done some updates to it recently that has made it even more friendly. So definitely check that out if you haven't had a chance to do that before. And uh, thanks again, Joseph. Really appreciate that, man. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. Hey, speaking of community stuff, have you? I, there's been a lot of talk recently around building chatbots. Marcel Potsiot has his Botman project that he's been working on, yeah. and he's got a whole series of videos and instructional stuff. Um, I'm trying to think how I can leverage a chatbot. Uh, the business that I work for has customer-facing call center staff, so if there are things that we can automate in such a way that we can have our customers contact and interact with us without, you know, directly interacting with us. That means that the people that are getting through are obviously being served because they have a real need rather than the generic, like, is my internet down kind of problem. Sure. So something that has come out recently is a book called Building a Chatbot with Laravel and Botman. It was written by joe dixon and we'll have him on the show next time i think the book has been written as a hands-on guide to building your own personal chatbot and it helps helps you through basically onboarding new users allowing them to access latest articles if you've got blog i know matt stauffer talked about this in his laracon online talk where he built a bot that his sort of not tech savvy family members could subscribe to the stauffers on science podcast that he and his son run so there's a lot of real-world uses for bots. I think they're a, a pretty cool sort of tool and way to interface with, I guess, your customers and, and prospective customers, even if they want to find out if they can get a service at a given location. So this, this book will be really handy. As I said, we'll have Joe on next episode to talk about this hopefully in a bit more detail have you have you had much chance to do anything with bots uh i have i think the thing that's really interesting about this whole sort of bots revolution is it essentially takes all of those different channels that we currently have available to us in laravel as notification channels so that's text message whether it's email whether that's facebook whether it's slack whether it's telegram whether it's twitter whether it's whatever any of those things and essentially turns those into a user interface for your back-end application so typically we've thought of interfaces in the past as like okay you come to my website and my website will prevent present to you an interface that will allow you to do x y and z and as you pointed out with Matt, right, an RSS feed or iTunes or whatever doesn't necessarily translate to maybe the target population that we're trying to get to, right, his family members who don't do those things. So what he was able to do is open up something that they're very familiar with, text messaging or SMS or whatever, as a way to interface with his application. So it's pretty awesome. The sky's the limit when it comes to this stuff. And really, if you think about it in that way, because people are like, well, what would I use a bot for? Right. But if you think of it yeah. as just another avenue, that is another user interface to your application, it's, you could use it anywhere for anything. So if you needed to have a user sign up for your service, 
they could text this number and it could handle the interaction to get their name, get their email address, get their phone number, you know, whatever it might be, whatever those steps that need to happen in order to register a user, you can use any of those notification channels to do that essentially. And I'm just saying any notification channels because it's something we're familiar with. But yeah, that was the first thing. Second thing, Joe Dixon uh, is the founder and CTO of a company called Ubisend, or I think that's it, Ubisend, Ubisend, which is a company that specializes mm-hmm. in bot development. So Joe's got a lot of experience with this. I'll be excited to have him on and talk about this. That's the second thing. Third thing, yes, I have had some experience with this. I built a Slack bot a little while ago or was or helped some of my team build a Slack bot. And what it was is a actually like a link into, I don't, I don't know if you can call it a package, but like a, a Laravel based status board called Cache. You ever heard of that? It's by Graham mm-hmm. Campbell. Yeah, I have heard. Yeah, heard so of. it's like a status board where you can say like, hey, these are the services that we offer. We are aware that this service has interruptions you know, or the service is down or whatever, and you can pin notifications and people can go check to see mm-hmm. what the status of everything is. Anyway, I wanted our guys to be able to have a really fast way to be able to put a a service in like a down or a or a, a mode other than operational. And so the Slack bot, you would just say um, Hal. You say like Hal. You just type Hal in Slack, and it'd say, you know, like what services is being affected, and it would list out the services, and you could just say like one like phones and then it's like okay are these hard lines or soft phone lines like soft phone lines okay what status do you want this to be put into non-operational okay do you have any notes Mm -hmm. for this yes here's what's going on great i'll update the status and i'll make sure that everybody knows what's going on so you're just having a conversation with this bot saying like what do you need to do so that this person who is obviously trying to fix the problem doesn't have to go worry about going to the status board, logging in, and then going through the UI to do it. You can just basically have this quick little conversation in Slack, which you're already going to be in anyway. And it will handle taking care of making sure all the status board is updated. And then when you ask later, it'll say, you can say Hal, and it'll say like, here are the current, here are the current you know, services that are having outages. Did you want to correct one of these or did you want to put something new as an outage or whatever? So yeah, we did that. Slack was sort of a pain in the butt to deal with, man. I got to be honest. It was horrible. I did not <laughs> enjoy the process. I think Telegram is pretty awesome about it, though. So if you're getting set up with your first bot, I might suggest, I know they have like Botman Studio, which allows you to do it straight in the browser. So that's a great way to get started. Mm-hmm. But I would suggest like if you're actually wanting to use a sort of chat channel to do it, I think Telegram really makes it easy to set up. They have something called the Bot Father. Which is like a uh, <laughs> the bot father, which is like a uh, Telegram user that you can reach out to, and it'll it'll talk you through the whole process of setting up. And so it's it's a chat bot that lets you set up a new chat bot. Is what it is. It's a Telegram chat bot that sets up a new chat bot for you. Nice. Yeah. So ramble, ramble. An Sorry about that. Of resources. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of stuff out there, man. It's really good, really good stuff. Pretty cool. Nice. Shall shall we talk about these? releases that have come out in the last few weeks since we last spoke yes we have lots of updates lots and lots of them let's talk about them 5 6 17 5 6 18 5 6 19 let's start with 17 go right in order sure so 17 was released with some helpers to make subquery joins a little bit more straightforward along with some changes with regards to the uh, the carbon date framework framework is that what we call it utility package mm, yeah utility would probably yeah. be a better way for it package yeah sure that was all yeah work. so there was i think there was some issues 
we talked about this on a previous show where there was a, a patch came out which caused some backwards compatibility breaks and then another patch which led Laravel to making a couple of releases that it would probably not have otherwise made. So that dependency has been locked on on the framework to 1.25 point star. So it'll only ever pull in the, well, Composer will only ever let it pull in 1.25 releases going forward. But on the, the subquery joins, there's some helpers for subqueries, including join sub, left join sub, and right join sub to the query builder. So before you would have to use some kind of string concatenation and some other horrible things using the, the DB <laughs> raw method yeah. on the on the DB facade. Uh, so the new ones, you can now do um, some much nicer, cleaner queries. In addition, some changes were made to the validation rule class, allowing you to pass a collection to the rule in and rule not in methods, where previously I think it was just arrays that you had to use. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. So like if you're checking to see, um, hey, there are three types of vacations you can book a single day, a week or a month, right? And we're just, I'm being facetious here. But if you were checking to say, hey, make sure that this vacation type is in one of these three. Uh, previously, you could only pass in arrays. And now you're saying that you can now pass in collections, mm-hmm. which is great. It's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So it also says that there was a removed form error for password confirmation. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. I'm sure it's some sort of UI thing in the default, the default UI that ships with 5.6. Yeah, the error um, will only be shown to the password field if the password confirmation fails. So there is no need for a condition to check whether there is an error in the password confirmation field. So like don't show. Yeah, yeah so when you've got a, a validation rule that needs that that is set to confirm, the rule, the the error message is not presented on the second field, on the confirmation field. It's usually shown on the field that needs to be confirmed. So in the example of password, you've got password and password confirm. The password field is the one that would have the confirm validation rule and thus the error would would be keyed by password and not password confirmation. So this just removes from the the password reset stub so you'd only only come across this with the the auth scaffolding the first time that you create it um in a new application so it's just some it's just some redundant html that's been removed from that stub uh, it probably won't affect you too much going forward anyway okay yeah so these these subquery joins and join sub left join sub right join sub i feel like some of these are due due to like jonathan rennick's talk on laracon online this year he he was using a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff to really make his queries more performant and uh we've talked about this a little bit on the show i think they've had some some of these have been put in in previous prs not these ones specifically but just you know again some of these sorts of ideas these mm-hmm. uh join sub Sub subquery sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I find myself doing these more and more often actually these days. So it's nice to know that they're putting these in here, making this a little bit easier. Previously, and we've talked about this a little bit. You and I have on a different channel called Thoughts that we've that we have, and this idea of readability versus like performance. So the idea of like when do you leave it in like a raw SQL statement, and when do you move it to eloquent? Yeah. And for some of the more complex ones that I'm that I've been dealing with, I've honestly just been leaving them in in raw. So I write them in uh, SQL Pro, mm-hmm. and I get the result set that I want, 
and I will literally copy and paste that in. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the difference. Like, these are the things that I'm thinking about when I'm making that decision. Is this going to need to be updated in the future? If the answer is no, and of course, I can't look into a crystal ball and know that for sure. But like one specific instance was there was a report that was getting run out that was a very specific report and it was not going to need to be changed. I'm leaving it in raw. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like it's not going to need to be changed. And if it does, honestly, for this particular statement, it would just be copied and pasted back into SQL Pro. I would change it and put and paste it back in. Mm -hmm. There would be no point in making an eloquent query. It doesn't rely on any relationships. There's nothing in there yeah. like that. Yeah. So that's like the first thing. Uh, so that wasn't even really a performance issue in this instance. It was just like, there's no point in me converting it to eloquent. Yeah. So sometimes DB raw just makes sense. And uh, you don't really have to do all this crazy, crazy stuff to kind of shoehorn it into the DB sort of way of doing it yeah. in, um, in Laravel. Yep. But I digress. We're going to be here all night talking about this <laughs> stuff. Okay. 5.6.18. So cool updates in 5.6.17. Let's move on. 5.6.18. What have we got here? Okay. So this was released with uh, added support for MySQL 8 compatibility. Uh, it also has support for custom file system driver URLs. Now, I believe this is where you have, so if you have something like S3, and I've, I think this is what it's talking about, you can s specify like the URL that you want to use as a prefix mm -hmm. to the, to the uh, file that you're referencing. So instead of using US East dot S3 dot whatever.com, right? Slash and then your unique file name or something. You could actually say Jake and Michael.com slash whatever. So you can have like your own custom URL there instead of using kind of the default. And so the problem has been that some file system drivers don't support URLs at the adapter level, uh, at the adapter level, excuse me. But this is a new fly system plugin that allows this to now be available to the file system adapter. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Yeah, that's so what that is. The apps, I mean, the apps can detect that the plugin is there, but the file system framework itself neglects to check for the get URL method on the driver. So prior to this change, it would only look at the adapter and then it would fall through and assume that it was an AWS S3 or a Rackspace adapter. So there's just a small change added to make sure that it also checks the the driver itself to see if that get URL method is there. I mean, I think it'd be fairly uncommon. Most people are probably going to be using the, you know, the Rackspace or the S3 or the, or the even the local file system driver that will support that. But if you're using something custom that that plugs into Fly System itself, this will certainly help you out in those cases. Yeah, and this actually adds. So it always feels kind of gross to me a little bit when. I go to a website and some people, maybe it doesn't bother at all, but like the other day I was trying to download something, uh, it's called duet, which allows you to mm -hmm. use your iPad as a second monitor. And you went to click on their download file and it would go to like some rack space URL to download their stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, seriously, like, it just feels like that should be a little bit more designed, yeah. you know, like I shouldn't be going to rack space to download that thing. <laughs> and with this, that allows you to kind of disguise that URL to make it look a little more custom, right? If it feels, it feels like you're getting redirected away to some other thing. And it's kind of like, is this the real thing or is yeah. it not, you know, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So it just adds a little more validity. It feels like to me. Yeah. Uh, it's a just, it's just a little user experience thing, but it, it can make a difference. Definitely. So. Yeah. So the MySQL connector, jumping back to that for, um, it supports version eight now. So the updated connector now checks for version 8.0.11 and adjusts the SQL mode appropriately because the no auto create user SQL mode is invalid. 
in MySQL 8.0.11. So if you're using the old config, it would throw some problems. It would have some problems for you if you were updated to now 8.0.11. So now it's going to adjust that SQL mode appropriately for you. Yeah. Also kind of in relation to this, you had talked about this before you and I had both talked to this, about this before, if you've ever been like upgrading a database or something, or, or trying to change a field and you're writing a migration and it freaks out because it says, Hey, this timestamp isn't a valid yeah. timestamp. Yeah. Do you remember that? So it says like, Hey, this, this timestamp that you have in here is not valid. And so it won't let you run the migration. This, the solution that you had for that is you said, well, just change the strict to false while you do that update and then change it back to true, which was hugely helpful because I've run into that problem. I don't even know how many times. Yeah. I'm just trying to write, trying to write a simple migration. And the, the trick is that if you updated to Laravel, I think five, five, it now has the, the strict mode and database set to true. Mm-hmm. So it won't let you do some of those updates. Yeah. But if you know, like if you're willing to take that risk and be like, you know, what, I'm okay with turning the strict off for a couple of seconds here while I run this migration, yeah. that's the easiest way to get around it. Yeah. Or if you've got legacy databases like some of us do, then, you know, you've got legacy constraints and sometimes you just have to use these things. So you unfortunately have to set strict to false and get on with life. <laughs> that's right. Here's a, there's a couple of quick little things here. There's some Postgres, our Postgres SQL operators that were added. Also pagination accessibility was improved. They added some ARIA disabled true or ARIA hidden true, ARIA current page to the uh, different pagination things to help screen readers there. Uh, so that's fine. Uh, and then lastly, lastly, there was a uh, bug fix change to the validation exception in the throttles logins, which used to be 423 but now has been changed to 429 too many requests. So if you have anything that is relying on that and you're updating to 5618, you're going to need to be mindful of that, that it's uh, it's now been changed. The response code is going to be 429 instead of 423. Mm-hmm. Cool. Also, one other thing that I think is interesting, there is now support for JSON P callbacks when broadcasting using Pusher. So that's kind of interesting. So instead of just having a JSON object that gets sent down the line, you can do JSON P. Which allows you to call a function, right? And yeah, it is. It's like a, well, so I think what it allows you to get around is this, you know, I have to have like cross-site request mm-hmm. permissions. I think it allows you to get around cross-site request permissions. When you've got like a web request coming from web.mydomain.com and it goes to api.mydomain.com. Mm-hmm. Exactly mm-hmm. that. Yes, we'll, correct. We'll definitely link up the pull request in the show notes that includes some more context and detail around this feature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, pretty interesting though. Nice. Awesome. Let's move on to the next one. All right. The last release that came out on the 1st of May was Laravel 5.6.19, which added support for multiple CC, BCC, and reply to recipients in the mailables, mailables classes. And the other thing is the optional class now implements the underscore underscore is set magic method so you can run into issues in that case where because it defers to some magic methods to call on the underlying class yeah so if you were to call like if you were to do an empty check on on the optional on the result of the optional helper because previously the optional class did not support is set the result of that would be unpredictable and almost always be false so that is set method is triggered by calling is set or empty on inaccessible object properties. And so 
you may have encountered issues with that has been fixed now. Um, obviously, we'll link that up in the show notes because I probably didn't do a very good job of explaining it as usual. <laughs> oh my. You did fine. You did fine. It wasn't too bad. Uh, the other thing that the other thing that has been added has uh, support for custom Spark po- Spark Post endpoints, so you can now configure the endpoint in your config services.php configuration file. So if the endpoint option isn't set or null, the configuration uses the default endpoint, which is the api.sparkpost.com URL. But I suppose Spark Post allows you to use custom endpoints, so you could. Potentially, yeah, use CNAMES to to your own domain and things like that. And then, as as I said at the top of this section, uh, the last new feature is the ability to define multiple CC, BCC, and reply to recipients on your mail notifications. So these were already oh, these were already possible on mailables, but are now also possible on mail notifications. Yeah, have you ever used notifications? No, I'd like the ability though to use notifications which I think this was added in Laravel 5.6, the ability to send notifications, but not to users. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Now you can just have a notifiable uh, trait, I think, that you can put on anything. Yeah, anonymous notifiables or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I feel like we have, uh, there's there's a number of, you really need to take the time to go through and read the documentation on these things. These are things that are, they honestly make things so much simpler so much simpler uh, yeah. in a lot of cases. And when no- when I say notifications, like notifications isn't only like mail either. Like, mm-hmm. and not even just like Slack either. It's, it's not necessarily that. There's also like a database notification type, which will write a record to a database mm-hmm. and then will handle like pushing that out to pusher and all that stuff. It's It's pretty awesome so like if you want to notify your user of something of some event that's happened in the system you can use the database notifier and i'll just say suffice it to say i'm not going to try and explain it all but you should definitely if you haven't tried notifications you should take a look in the documentation take a half hour read through notifications what they are and see if they might be useful for anything that you're doing mm. so and then we've of course have mailables and uh, i don't even know if we can do you, can you still use just mail like mail colon colon send and then I mean, I suppose I don't know you, if you could, can still do but, that. you know, a lot of people coming into the framework would probably see the mailables as as the way to go. I think they're the like the thing that is documented as well as the primary mail method. Yeah, I think the best. I think I like them more more because um, you have like Markdown, yeah, support in those. Yeah, you know, I, but I mean, sometimes honestly though, man, sometimes I just want to send a freaking email. Like I just want to send like a text version of an yeah. email, like the fastest. I you know. I don't know. I did see I some discussions know. on the on the what the, it's changed now. It's not internals. It's called ideas in the ideas repository. Someone has been talking about the possibility of just being able to send a plain text mailable. But yeah, if you look at the Laravel documentation, the the first thing after documenting the available drivers is about generating and writing mailables. So for most people coming into the framework, mailables would be the the first and primary way that they send a lot of their notification emails from from their applications, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. I think you can still, I don't know. I mean, is it true that you actually can't send a plain text to mailable? Oh, I'm sure you, yeah. Because I was going to say, like, if you're using mail, like mm. mail, so like if you so like in the old example that I or in the example I was giving mail send the thing the first argument 
is the view that you want to use. Yeah. Now you can also pass an array that has HTML and then the view you want to use and then text and then the view you want to use. So like it's an associative array. Yeah. The argument after that is the data payload that you want to send. The argument after that is a closure, which has a function, which has a message yep. as the argument. And then you can do message to BCC, subject, mm-hmm. all that crap. And those, I actually liked, really liked that syntax. Um, number one, because I had it memorized and I could just do it. <laughs> and I didn't have a lot of, have to have a lot of other boilerplate, like say like, hey, PHP Artisan, make mailable. And then also create the markdown file and yeah. that's whatever. I mean you can with the mailable inside the build method you can specify a view which is a HTML view you can specify markdown which is obviously the markdown but you can also specify text. So yeah. I assume without having done it that you could say in the build method only build a text mailable and then give it the the text template. And that then gives you the ability, obviously, of sending plain text, but still being able to push variables into the, the plain text version. So, sure. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Everybody good? Everybody good? Are we all, are we we all together here? I think we're right. all caught up. Raise your hand. Just, just before we do move on, uh, and, and we just blew through three different Laravel releases. The other thing is that Laracast have updated the What's New in Laravel 5.6 series. It is free, so even if you don't have a subscription, you can head on over to uh, laracast.com and check out the What's New in Laravel 5.6 series. We'll obviously link it up in the show notes so you can get there quicker. But Jeffrey, I think he's been doing this since version 5, so I think he's a little bit uh, bored of <laughs> of having to, to update this series because obviously if people are coming to the framework from scratch, you know, there's the Laravel 5 dot x from scratch series there's the what's new in laravel 5 dot whatever the current release is that that he updates each time there's a new release so we thank him for that um and and often he puts i'm pretty sure always but often he puts these out for free so that people get a good visual introduction to the framework you know rather than sitting and and reading through the documentation because it's you know sometimes you can miss what changes between between releases in Laravel because the documentation often gets a fairly heavy rewrite on each release to to Taylor's credit. Yeah, yeah. And um, thank you, Mr. Way, for doing that for us. Super helpful. Good point. Thanks, Michael. Uh, let's talk about ViewPress a little bit. Have you seen this? I have seen it. I don't necessarily have an immediate use for it, but I think the main selling point is that you can use in, in addition to it being a static site generator and, and handling your markdown files you can basically drop view components directly into it is that is that right yeah that's yeah you basically have the full power of view behind it yep so view components and in, in dot view press slash components are automatically registered as global async components that can be used in your markdown documentation so that's one of the things it does. I mean, that's one of the things it does, right? I mean, there's so much that it really does offer you. Um, the One of the cool things that it does is it renders a static site, but then it also makes it an SPA as well. So it handles all the routing and everything. After the first page loads, everything is an SPA. So it's just loading it in, you know, swapping stuff out really quickly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Might so it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, especially it's if you're building awesome. documentation sites or you know blogs and things like that, and you're already using yep. Vue, then yeah, definitely 
check it out if it's something that interests you. Yep. And it, I think that's kind of like one of the other limitations that you have with some of these things. Like, I don't want to hate on AM specifically. But static site generators in general, like once you, it's just generating HTML, whereas this gives you a bit more dynamic functionality while still being light and and fast and having a small footprint right exactly and so like with static site generators as well like they don't handle the spa portion of it for you right that's something you have to implement yourself so like it'll generate the static pages for you but actually doing sort of an spa on top of that is not something that Mm -hmm. it usually typically handles for you Uh, in addition these these static site generators are also very often kind of like locked down you have this existing set of behavior and if you want to add something in yourself then it's not like it's not baked into the framework that you can do that stuff really easily and this totally makes it incredibly easy it's actually you know in the feature list that you can register your components and use them wherever you want in your markdown file so it's pretty awesome in addition to as a as a note here this was kind of built to scratch evan's own itch if uh, you know for just to use a weird colloquialism there, mm-hmm. colloquialism. So it was built to support the documentation needs of views projects. So it is really optimized for being able to create documentation or like a style guide for your code, uh, you know, internally uh, or stuff like that. So if those are things that you'd be interested in or, or even, you know, a personal blog site. So I think I'm going to check this out and I'll likely be using it in the very near future here. Yeah. Actually, as a like development blog for our internal needs, mm-hmm. So I've really wanted to create something like this recently where I like, because there's so many releases that come out every week that we're doing that nobody really knows about. We'll send emails to the people who are affected maybe, Mm -hmm. but nobody else ever sees it. Yeah. So the CEO like, oh, you guys did that? Yeah, we did. (laughs) But he never hears about it because whatever. So anyway, we'll probably be using this soon. It's pretty cool though. Nice. What else do we have? Cascading soft deletes with Laravel 5. Michael, didn't you solve this problem like 10 years ago? Not 10 years ago. I'm just teasing. I did. You know, you had, a, you had a package for this too. Yeah, I have, and this is not my package. Um, but this is one that was written coincidentally around about the same time, and I think uh, Will Bowman, who wrote this package, wrote it approximately a week before I wrote mine. I just didn't know it existed. I just had a need for it at the time. So this couples Laravel's soft deletes functionality with cascading deletes as well so with mysql you can define foreign keys on relationships so say you've got a user and you've got posts and you deleted a user from your application if you had a foreign key on the post table for that user id whenever you delete the user all of the accompanying post content would also be removed so that's handled at the database level but Say you wanted the ability to, at some point in the future, restore a user. If you've deleted them from the database, you'd have to go, you know, digging through backups and things like that. So Laravel gives you the ability to soft delete. And what that does is you add a column to your database, which is a timestamp called deleted at, and you add a soft deletes trait to your models. And so whenever you call the delete method, rather than deleting from the database, rather than doing a delete from users query, it will do an update query to set that deleted at flag in or the field in the database to the current timestamp. And then it also hooks into all of your select methods um, or select queries to make sure that it only looks for records where the deleted at column is null. But when you do that, you obviously lose the ability to 
cascade the deletes into your post table if you were to delete the users. So what this package does is, is essentially whenever you delete or soft delete a user, it will also go through recursively and find the soft deleted relationships and, and delete them from the end back to the user. So you would delete all of the posts first or mark them all as deleted and then you would mark the user as deleted. Um, I think the main difference between this package that Will wrote and mine is that it gives you the ability to also restore soft deleted items. I didn't really, I mean, it's very difficult if you were to delete some content. So if you were to delete some posts prior to deleting the user, which would subsequently go and delete all of the rest of the posts, you'd have no way of differentiating between the two. So if you know, if you had written 30 articles and you had deleted 10 of them when you deleted the user and then subsequently brought them back you would then have 30 you know all 30 of those posts would be undeleted so i think that's the main philosophical difference between the two packages even that one even that one post about your boss that you started to write on a bad day and we're going to post and leave the company and decided i really need this job because i'm having a baby soon it undeleted that one and now you're screwed and you lost your job Will, you are in dangerous ter- territory here, my friend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's really, that's like a, that's like a business, like, that's like a, um, you know, like a business concern, right? Like, how do you handle that? Do you only, you know, restore the ones that are, that were deleted within 10 minutes of the user, you know, I don't know, or whatever, something yeah. like that. Or that were, you know, only restore ones that were deleted after the user was deleted. Yeah. At or before, or at or equal to. Yeah. Or, or yeah. after or equal to, or something like that. Yeah. I actually have a need for this, this week, this week. I had a user that created a contest entry and then they were subsequently soft deleted and we did not cascade that soft delete to the entries. So we're going and making a leaderboard. Give me all the entries, total up all the entries and figure out who's at the top of the leaderboard. And it goes to find the users and it says there is no user. That one's soft deleted. (laughs) So anyway, we gotta gotta do this, cascade these soft deletes this week. Pretty cool. That's what I say about everything. Might as well say it about that. (laughs) It is cool though. Thanks, Will. All right, running the Laravel scheduler and queue with Docker. So if you've ever, if you've kind of dove into this Docker whole hipster scene, Chris Fidow, TJ Miller, careful craziness. <laughs> yeah, I know. Paul, Paul Redman. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's tons of awesome stuff about Docker. I'm not quite there yet because I'm not as cool as these guys, but I will get there eventually. In any case, these are some tips that you can use to run the Laravel scheduler and queue with Docker. So one of the tricky changes when switching from a virtual server to Docker is figuring out how to run that scheduler and queue worker. So this is a question that comes up quite a bit when PHP developers are trying to use how to learn how to use Laravel with Docker. So do you run them on the host server? Do you run them in a cron and Docker container? So there's a couple different ways that Paul, everyone's favorite human, who has written a book on Docker with Laravel, would suggest. And so he goes through in this article and covers the basics of running both of these with a complete, although simple, Docker setup that you can use to experiment and figure out which one is best for you. So he's got an image that you can download here and follow along. So I would definitely suggest checking that out if that's something that you are interested in. And then you too can become one of the cool hipsters that is into the Docker... I know. I'm just behind the times, man. I'm getting, I, I'm realizing I'm an old man now. I'm not really. I you, mean, I'm 30. I'm going to be 33 next week. Oh, but it's getting old. It's getting on. No, I'm time <laughs> to keep up with these youngins. 
All these darker youngins. You know, with all with all of these homebrew PHP shenanigans that finally caught up with me, I was very tempted to to give Docker a go, but I am stubborn and managed to work out my homebrew PHP woes eventually. So is it the one where it's like PHP at seven dot one now? Yeah. Is it all that job? Yeah, and it's yeah. much tricky to install extensions. You've got to use Peckle and Pear and um, it's much more difficult to switch between PHP versions, which you could do before because the the you know PHP was linked in using Brew and it's not anymore. And I think glad to know I'm not the only person who was having a really hard time with yeah. this. It makes my heart happy to hear that you also were having a hard time with yeah. this. Yeah, I figured it out. I mean, I wasted a, a Friday afternoon on it because you Same. know I wasn't planning on doing anything else that day anyway. So right, um, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I got to figure it out. I kind of get why the homebrew team decided not to support it, but at the same time, obviously there was quite a large number of people using it, so whatever. Um, I think, if nothing else, this has just prompted me to get everything onto the same version of PHP. I mean, we're on Laravel 5.5 now with our main bespoke CRM application, so we're on PHP 7. It should be easy enough to get to 7.1 and then transition to 7.2 and then get everything up to date except for that one cPanel server that's still kicking around. <laughs> oh, no, cPanel. Just hearing the words gives me nightmares, but <laughs> hey, it happens, man. It happens. All right, we've got a couple of things left here. Three things. HTTP cache packages for Laravel. Let's start with that. So earlier, we talked about Joseph Silver's Laravel page cache package, which provides static HTTP responses for caching Laravel. But there are other some uh, some other open source packages for caching HTTP responses. So we're just going to give a couple quick shout outs on these. And you can take a look at these and uh, find them in the show notes and figure out if any of these would work for you as well, in addition to or as a replacement for. So Barry VDH, who is the guy that is behind the Laravel debug bar, has his own uh, caching package called Laravel-HTTP cache. So it uses the Laravel stack middleware that he also created to use the stack PHP middleware with Laravel 5, allowing your Laravel app to utilize HTTP cache. So uh, there's that one. There's also Spassy, which has a Laravel response cache. So you can define a group of routes to be cached for a given time using a middleware. So you can also define which sort of driver you want to use, uh, Redis, file, memcached. And then you can selectively, programmatically, clear the entire cache or just specific URIs using a well, using an artisan command or using a facade that they've defined that comes along with their package. And then you also have, is this a different one? Is Silver? Silva? No, no, this is, the, this is the page cache that we talked about at the start of the show. Page cache that we talked about. Okay, so you've got those three. So there's a couple options there. Each one of them kind of has their own flavor or their own little different ways of doing things. So if you're looking for a solution to those, uh, you should definitely check those out. Evaluate mm -hmm. your options before you jump in and, and go for it. So there's that. Uh, the other one that we have is Micro Weber. Micro Weber or Micro Weber? Which one is mm, it? Interesting. I'd say Micro Weber. Micro Weber. There it is. Why don't you talk to us about that, Mr. Dorinda? What did you what do you think? So Micro Weber is an open source website builder, CMS, and online store built on top of Laravel and with Bootstrap. So it's built primarily to allow non-technical users to quickly create any kind of website and online store with a WYSIWYG. So what you see is what you get experience. It it 
It's got a few main features, including a drag and drop website builder. It allows you to live edit your content. It gives you an online store builder and handles payments for you. And also has some marketplace templates where you can purchase templates to get started quickly. So yeah, the, the interface has got a bit of a way to go to catch up to things like WordPress. But if it's something that you want to check out, we will link that up in the show notes. Excellent. Looks really interesting. It looks like, yeah. I mean, it looks very hey, clean. You know, it does. It does. And it looks like they've uh, they've done a good job designing a couple. Of, I mean, the landing page and all that stuff looks great. So hmm. there's obviously people who care about this stuff, who have put a lot of time into this. So it's um, it looks like a great thing that you should definitely go try out. And it's open source. So, I mean, what's not to try, right? What's not to like? Yep. So there you go. Also, it provides the ability to give you an online store. So I had a friend who was recently looking for something like this. He was like, man, I just need like an online store really easily. There's Squarespace, of course. There's like Shopify, but... Those both impose their own limitations, right? You either have to get a sign up for a really maybe possibly expensive account, depending on how many products you have, or have to pay pay a large chunk of change for provide for them providing you that service. Whatever this provides you another option. Yeah, there we go. There's that one. Okay, I read this one today. I thought it was interesting. Speed up Laravel on top of Swool. Is that how you say Swool? Yeah, Swool. Okay, so here it is. This is really interesting. I'm going to I'm going to start with the benefit. And here's what it says. Outstanding performance boosting up to 30 times, which is, is insane. That is quite impressive. Insane. All right. So what it does is it says it, it, okay, let me just kind of go through the high level items here. So this is a production grade async programming framework for PHP. It's written in C. So this enables uh, you as a PHP developer to write a high performance scalable concurrent UDP, Unix socket, HTTP, WebSocket service in PHP, right? Okay, I read that straight from the article. I'm not actually that smart. But think of like Node.js, but for PHP, okay? So here's the reason why that matters. In a typical traditional PHP lifecycle, it has to boot up the entire app on every request. So the app is booted up. It bootstraps all of the service providers. It gets everything all set up to go. And then the request comes in. It then translates that request into the different pieces that it needs, figures out which route it goes to, gets your controller, does the dependency injection, does the validation, all that stuff, right? But it has to boot the framework. And that can take some time. So what this does is it will cut that piece out. There's a lot of IO and consumption for file loading and all that stuff. And Laravel does some things to get around that, right? So they have, actually, do we still do the caching of all those different pieces? Like, so we can push it into like one file. Do we still do that? Yeah, it's PHP still done, in... I'm pretty sure. Okay. So anyway. Or, well, there's no optimized command though, because we we now rely on using opcache, which ships with PHP 7.1 and above, I think, or 7.2 and above. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the idea behind this is that we can have, if we have our, our server on top of Swool, all the scripts can be kept in memory after the first load. So it can be a really powerful performance booster. In addition to that, it allows you to have some of these, this sort of WebSocket server in Laravel. You can run a WebSocket server in Laravel. You can support a socket IO protocol. So it's just, it's an interesting concept. And the thing that hooked me was, Holy crap, I could speed up my uh, application by 30 times, right? So really interesting stuff. I feel like these things have come a long way. I'm trying to remember what it was that I saw. I think it was back in like 2015. No, it could have been 2015. Man, maybe it was 2015, 2014. 
but there was this there was this uh, asynchronous sort of PHP. I can't remember what it was called though, Ratchet or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember. I know what you're talking about though, which doesn't help any of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Sorry, everyone. If you know what it is, go ahead and write in. Otherwise, you can just spend some time looking on Google for it. But yeah, this was, looks, it, was it Falcon? Yeah, Ratchet PHP is a PHP WebSocket library. Maybe it's just Ratchet. Anyway. It is pretty impressive though. the The benchmark that they include here is using just the standard web you know, using Nginx, it was serving 815 requests in 10 seconds and using the Swore HTTP server, it served 87,000 requests cow. in the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. So, I mean, if speed and performance is critical to you, check it out. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it could be a really good option. Save you some, save you some coin. All right, I think that is it. That's all of it. That's all they wrote, all she wrote. Of course, as always, there's some really, really good stuff going on in the community right now. Oh, man, I got to look at this one. Lerva underscores a function for localization-based translations. I have to check that out. That looks interesting. I'm not going to read it on air, but I'll check that one out. Time-saving habits for programmers. I can't talk. Time-saving habits for programmers. Oh, man, there's so much good stuff out here. I literally could spend all day reading these. I probably am going to after we get off air here. But if you haven't checked those links out in a while, you should definitely do so. There's some really good ones, really good community links out there on Laravel News to be read. Enrich your mind. Yeah. Do we have any sponsors this week? I don't think we do. You know what? Speaking of sponsors, we would love to have you as a sponsor on this show. We will do you right. We will make sure that we get your amazing message out to all of the wonderful people who listen to this show. Imagine this could be your advertisement right here. Perfect placement right at the end of the show. This is everybody's favorite part of the show, I think. Everyone's waiting for you to <laughs> stumble up. to the end, <laughs> to, fall o- to fall over the finish this like, line. This is like when people look up on YouTube, like people in a marathon hitting the wall, right? You know what that is? Yeah. That's only that's the only thing. That's that's why people stand at the finish line. They don't actually want to see people finish. They want to see people hit the wall. They want to see them <laughs> stumble and fall and crawl their way across the finish line. And here at Laravel News, you get to hear me do that every week. It's the it's the best part. It's like when you go to a hockey game, all you really want to see is the fights. You know, everybody just listens for this hour so they can hear me sound like an idiot for the last that's right minute and a half of the show. And- and you know, the best part is that people only ever hear the edited version of that as well. That's true. Maybe we should stop it. Maybe we should just let them hear the full the full thing. All right, here we go. I'm not even thinking, but here we go. Uh, I'm so afraid I'm going to mess it up now. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to episode 62 of the Laravel News Podcast. If you, like sh- if you liked the episode, you can find show notes for it at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 62. If you liked the show, please feel free to... Please, please, oh my gosh. Please feel free to rate us up five stars in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. It would be really appreciated. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Michael Dorinta, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. Or you can send an email or text message. I'm just going to read your phone number here on air, Michael. It is 555-523-2149, extension Aussie. Okay, I think that's it. Anything else? I think we got it all. I have nothing. I, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> Imagine if we did read your phone number on air. Well, I mean, I've always got the option to not answer it, I suppose. That's true. 
That's true. Next week. Maybe next but week. But I've had that number for so long. Don't make me have to change it. That's true. That's true. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. We love all of you. All of you amazing community members who do all this stuff and make our job literally just reading all the cool stuff you guys have done all week. Not reading necessarily. I mean, we do a little bit of research too, but... Time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? And when I'm rambling. Yes. And when you've got three weeks to catch up on. That's correct. That's <laughs> correct. All right, my we friend. do apologize for missing yeah, sorry about a week. That. We, uh, things have been very busy. I've, I've mentioned on the show before that my wife and I are expecting our first child. Mm-hmm. So we had a first aid course a couple of weekends ago. We went and did a having and caring for your baby course last weekend and visited the hospital and checked out the facilities there, which there have been very few moments in the last seven and a bit months that have made this thing real for me because I'm obviously I'm not carrying the, the the baby in my belly. It's it's a bit more difficult, I think, for me as a as a father to sort of come to terms with what is happening. It's kind of you know it's a thing that will happen at some point. Um, so being in the hospital and and seeing the facilities and and all of the the staff there was was really good from that perspective for me so yeah it's been a bit bit hectic jake's had visitors in and out for the last couple of weekends so true in-laws for the last two weekends and i had family pictures this weekend so yeah yeah it has been crazy it has been hectic it's good to to finally catch up it is and get another episode out to our wonderful community of listeners it is it absolutely is oh by the way the movie i want to go see right now is a quiet place have you seen the previous quiet place I have not. Oh, it looks so good. It looks so scary. It looks amazing. Everybody wow. should go check that out. Go see that. I haven't seen it yet, so no spoilers, but it looks horror. awesome. Horror. Mm. Cool. All right. Okay. Well, All right. we'll yeah, try and do this again note. in two weeks. Yeah, on that note. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. See you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.